For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the parable of the ten virgins. This is part four of the series. We are going to continue to look at this parable and examine some of the details regarding it. And we are going to then take the phrases and break them down and try to understand the deeper spiritual meaning of what Yeshua was trying to teach in this parable as it is connected to the question that was asked of him in Matthew in chapter 24, verse 3, what's the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so ultimately then, why was it that the foolish virgins were unprepared for Yeshua's return? And what caused the wise virgins to be prepared for his return? And his return then is associated with him coming for his bride and marrying his bride. But what in the scriptures is likened and associated with a wedding? And so that's what we are going to look at in greater detail. So in Matthew in chapter 25 in verse 6, it is written, and at midnight there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom comes, go out and meet him. And so in examining this cry and taking it back in Hebraic context, the Feast of Trumpets, more commonly called Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, is referred to in the scriptures as Yom Teruah, or the Day of the Awakening Blast. And a Teruah can be translated as a shout or a cry. So Yeshua was making a reference to a loud shout, a loud cry. And what is going to be associated with that loud shout or that cry? it's going to be the sound of the shofar. Because we're told in Isaiah in chapter 27 verse 13 that a shofar will be blown to gather the exiles of Israel as it is written. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great shofar will be blown and they will come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcasts in the land of Egypt. That is the exile in the nations of the world. And they will 
return and worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. In Matthew chapter 25 verse 6, it says at midnight there was a cry made, behold the bridegroom comes, go out and meet him. So what's the deeper meaning behind this phrase, go out to meet him? Well, in a biblical marriage, the groom is welcomed under the hoopah or the wedding canopy. And in the book, Made in Heaven by Rabbi Ari Kaplan on page 156, he explains, when the groom approaches the hoopah or the wedding canopy, the cantor chants, blessed is he who comes. And that this is an idiomatic expression meaning welcome because the groom is greeted like a king under the hoopah. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 and verse 39, Yeshua said regarding his return that you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so in reflecting upon Jerusalem, and so Yeshua is looking at the literal city, but spiritually Jerusalem is associated with Yeshua's bride. So Matthew 23:37, he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and then in verse 39, for I say unto you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So this phrase is associated with the welcoming of the groom as a king in a biblical wedding. So Yeshua was saying that in his return for his bride, he is going to be welcomed as a king. And the one who gathers and unites the exiles of Israel is seen in Judaism as the kingly Messiah. Now, looking at Matthew chapter 25, verse 6, it says, At midnight was the cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out and meet him. What's the deeper meaning and understanding of this? Well, in Joel chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Why? For the day of the Lord comes, for it is nigh at hand. And so what is the day of the Lord associated with? It is a day of darkness and gloominess. And so then we can see that why is the cry made for the bridegroom to come at midnight? It is because the end of the exile of northern kingdom, southern kingdom, northern kingdoms, the house of Joseph, the ten tribes, or Ephraim, the southern kingdom, is the house of Judah. We are told when that end of the exile and return to the land is going to take place. In Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 3 it is written, For lo, the days come, says the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel, that's northern kingdom, and Judah, southern kingdom, says the Lord, and I'm going to cause them to return to the land that I gave their fathers and they will possess it. And this is associated with a period of time known as Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble is a term for the tribulation period. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7. Alas for that day is great. What day? The day when Israel and Judah returns to the land. That day is great. What day? The day of the Lord. The day that's darkness and gloominess so that none is like it. It is the time of Jacob's trouble but he will be saved or redeemed or delivered out of it. In other words it is during Jacob's trouble that there will be the end of the exile and Jacob will return to 
the land of Israel. And so it's the role and the task and the function of the Messiah to accomplish this task. Yeshua stated to the Pharisees when he was asked at the end of John in chapter 9 and then in verse 40 the question, are we blind? Yeshua's reply entailed the following in John chapter 10 verse 11. He said I am the good shepherd. He repeats it in John chapter 10 verse 14. I am the good shepherd. And then in John chapter 10 verse 15 he says that the good shepherd is going to lay down his life for the sheep. Now, we're told in Ezekiel in chapter 34 and then verses 11 and 12 that the exiles of Israel are going to be gathered by Yahweh Elohim, the good shepherd, and they're going to be gathered and they're going to return to the mountains of Israel in the cloudy and dark day, as it is written. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both seek my sheep and gather them. I will seek out my sheep and I will deliver them out of all the places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And so the return is Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 13. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them upon the mountains of Israel. And so the gathering of northern kingdom, southern kingdom, Israel and Judah to the land ending their exile takes place in the cloudy and dark day, which is a reference to the time associated with the day of the Lord. And because this is Jacob's trouble, that's why that cry in in Hebraic understanding and thought process, that's the sound of the shofar is being sounded and you are to be ready for the coming of the bridegroom. Now, we see in Revelation in chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14 that the exiles of Israel will be gathered and united during the time of the Great Tribulation. There's a question that is asked in Revelation chapter 7, verse 13. Who are these in white robes and where did they come? And the answer is they came out of Great Tribulation. So regarding those that came out of Great Tribulation, it is said of them in Revelation chapter 7, verses 16 and 17, they will hunger no more, neither thirst anymore, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb, that's a reference to the Messiah, will lead them unto living fountains of water. So the answer in Revelation chapter 7 regarding who are these that came out of great tribulation, which we just shared with you from Revelation chapter 7 verses 16 and 17, that is a quote of Isaiah chapter 49 verse 10 as it is written. They will not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that has mercy on them, and in Revelation 7, the one that has mercy is the Lamb, that's the Messiah, He will lead them even by springs of water. And so that cry that's being made 
made at midnight to be ready to greet the bridegroom. It is for the purpose of the exiles of Israel prepared to be led by the Messiah from their places of exile back to the land of Israel. And it's going to take place at midnight. It's going to take place during Jacob's trouble. It's going to take place during the days of the great tribulation. And now we're told in Psalm 137 verse 1, by the rivers of Babylon we sat down. We wept whenever we remembered Zion. And we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. So we can see, poetically speaking, that in exile by the rivers of Babylon that you're not able to sing. You weep. And in Babylon, in exile, you're not able to play your harp because it's sitting on the willow tree. And what's another name for the willow tree? It's commonly called the weeping willow tree. And it goes on to say in Psalm 137 verse 3, For there they that carried us away captive into Babylon, into the nations of the world, they're mocking and they require of us a song and they say, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And the reply is, how? How can we sing the Lord's song? So what is the Lord's song? The Lord's song is the song of Zion. And you cannot sing that song by the rivers of Babylon because you're sitting down, you're weeping. And the instrument by which you're going to sing, the harp, which is associated with King David, who ruled over all 12 tribes from Jerusalem, which is called Zion, you can't do it if your harp is hanging on the willow. You cannot sing the song of Zion. You cannot sing the Lord's song in exile, in Babylon, in a strange land. In Revelation chapter 15, verse 3, we see a group of people who get the victory over the beast, over his mark, over his image, and over the number of his name. And what are they doing? They're singing the song of Moses. And historically, when was the song of Moses sung? It's in Exodus chapter 15, and it happened when Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea in the children of Israel were ultimately and finally free from Pharaoh in Egypt and their oppression there. And they sing the song of Moses, so that's associated with redemption. And they sing the song of the Lamb. So what is the song of the Lamb? It is the song of Zion. What's the song of Zion? It's the end of the exile of the house of Jacob, and you cannot sing that song by the rivers of Babylon or in exile. So those that are singing that song during the days of the great tribulation, they're doing so because in Revelation 15 verse 2, they get the victory over the beast, over his mark, over his image, and over the number of his name. And so you cannot get the victory over his beast and his mark and his image and the number of his name if there isn't the obstacle to do so. So the beast and his mark and his image and his number of his name must be present in order for you to be in a battle against the beast, the mark, and his image, and the number of his name, and then therefore able to overcome the beast, his mark, his image, and the number of his name. And in getting the victory, they have harps. And so if they're playing their harps, then they're not in Babylon. They're not in exile. 
because how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? So let's summarize this part of the examination of the parable of the ten virgins where we looked at key words and phrases from Matthew in chapter 25 in verse 6. So a cry was made to meet the bridegroom. And one of the sounds of the shofar is a teruah, which means a loud shout or a loud cry. And this is a reference to the exiles of Israel who will be gathered by the blowing of the shofar, Isaiah chapter 27, verse 13. And this cry to meet the bridegroom was made at midnight. Midnight is a reference to Jacob's trouble or the Great Tribulation. And the exiles of Israel are gathered, as we saw in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 and 12, in the day of the Lord. And in Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the day of the Lord is a day of darkness and gloominess. So the exiles of Israel are gathered during the time of the Great Tribulation, as we saw in Revelation chapter 7. And it's the Messiah who gathers the exiles of Israel and the gathering from exile and from oppression. When you're free, you want to rejoice. You want to praise. You want to sing. And so the end of the exile is likened to a song and because it's the Messiah who gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel, they sing the song of the Lamb. Continuing and looking at the parable of the 10 virgins in Matthew chapter 25 verse 7 it is written, Then all the virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps. Arising is a Hebrew idiom for awakening from spiritual slumber. And when you are not following the Torah, you are regarded as being in spiritual slumber. And the bride of Yeshua is called to be awakened out of her spiritual slumber and being ready and prepared to meet her bridegroom. Psalm 102 verse 13, it says, you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her, yea, the set time has come. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1, it is written, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 6, it is written, for there shall be a day that the watchman upon Mount Ephraim will cry, arise and let us go up to Zion. And so the Rising is so that you could go to Zion, which is Jerusalem, and be ready for the marriage of Yeshua's bride to him. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 17. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem. Isaiah 52, verse 1. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments. And those beautiful garments are the white robes from Revelation and chapter 7. And in John, in chapter 15, Yeshua said in verse 3, you are made clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. And so the white robes are associated with them being clean. It's through the word. And so Following the Torah or the word of God is the means by which we can have clean and white robes because otherwise 
we do not want our robes to be spotted by the world, the ways of the world, the values of the world. And we're told in 1 John 3, 4 that sin is the transgression of the Torah. And so sin causes a spotted garment. And what causes the spot? Transgressing the Torah. So what causes the garment to be clean and white? When you are living a holy and sanctified life. And so if sin is transgressing the Torah, holiness is following the Torah. In Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2, it is written, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And so when Jerusalem, a term for the bride of Messiah, is called to arise and shine and awaken out of her spiritual slumber, what is it associated with? Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. So that's why the cry was made at midnight because it's a reference to Jacob's trouble and the great tribulation and it's a reference to that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the bride is called to arise during this time because the glory of the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Matthew chapter 25 verse 7 it says then all the virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps. We are told in Matthew chapter 25 verse 8 that the foolish said to the wise give us your oil because our lamps are gone out. And in the Torah in Exodus chapter 27 verse 20 there's a commandment that the lampstand was to burn always and you shall command the children of Israel that they bring pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. And so the foolish virgins allowed their lamps to go out. In Proverbs chapter 20 verse 27 it is written, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And so the foolish virgins they did not arise and return to the Torah. And they lost their zeal for Yeshua and following after him. And then in Matthew chapter 25 verse 9 the wise virgins responded by saying not so lest there not be enough for us and also for you but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And so why is the wise virgins concerned that there's might not be enough oil for them and the foolish virgins? It's because these things are taking place at midnight when darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. And so they need their light in order to shine through the time of darkness to be prepared for the bridegroom's return. It's the wise virgins who are ready for the marriage. And while they went to buy, that is the foolish virgins, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. In the book Made in Heaven by Rabbi Ari Kaplan on page 206, he explains that immediately after the guests finished congratulating the bride and the groom for the exchanging of their vows underneath the hoopah, the couple exit toward the seclusion room and the bride and groom are led to the seclusion room amid singing and dancing. And after the wedding 
wedding ceremony is over, it is customary for the bride and the groom to be alone in the seclusion room for a short period of time. Now, there are two primary stages in a biblical wedding. The first part is called betrothal. Well, that's going to conclude part four of the series on the subject, the parable of the ten virgins. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.